It had such an impact on me that I asked Miguel to come up for a minute. And I wanted him to run out one more lap for me today. Just to, just to mark, I want, I want to mark that picture in your minds of a, of a man running and running his race, a man running his race no matter what. Go ahead, Miguel. I want you to keep this picture in your heart so that when things don't add up, you know how to just keep on running. When, when nobody wants to run with you, you, you learn how to just fix your eyes. Give me one more lap. You learn how to fix your eyes on Jesus and keep running. Somebody say amen. amen. Listen, when nobody wants to run with you, you just keep running. Somebody say amen. amen. When it gets difficult and you have every reason to quit, you understand that you need to throw off everything that hinders and keep running. Say amen. amen. When, 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 when you can't see the road up ahead, when you can't see where it is that you actually want to get to, you, you learn to just focus on what you can see and keep running. Somebody say amen. amen. And when you don't like who you are, and you don't like where you are, it just means he's not finished with you yet. And so you keep running. Amen? Because the, the word we just read says, consider him the author and finisher of our faith. So, so that means when he starts, he's going to complete. So if he started something in you, he's going to finish it. So no matter what, I want you to keep that picture forever. I know I'll always have it in my mind. Keep running. Amen? All right, that was a recap. Now let's go. Let's go. Let's continue on. We've been studying for, um, 2 Corinthians. If you're, if you're just visiting us, just so you know a little bit about us, you're not going to get any cutesy messages, any cute, topical, whatever. We'll just pick a book of the Bible and we preach right through it, beginning to end, get through it. Whatever comes up, we deal with it. If it comes up with something you're dealing with, amen. If it comes up with something that your neighbor's dealing with, amen. Don't think, by doing it this way, we don't have to worry that, oh, I offended you because you, no. It comes up in a word, I'm going to talk about it, amen? amen. And that's just how we roll here. So we're in our study in 2 Corinthians, and there's another picture that I want you to get. This is uh, amazing also. Paul ends chapter 6 with this. He's been, turn to 2 Corinthians 6, so you make sure whatever I'm preaching is in the Word, and I'm not twisting it or, or, or making it, you know, suit to, to fit something. You should always check. And because you know we're going through 2 Corinthians, you know, it's okay to read it on your own at home. Amen. It's okay to read ahead, it's okay to know, and that way you know what's coming up. And you say, oh, this is going to be Candela next week, right? Because you know what, what, what comes up. And it's good, because that way you know what's happening, and, and it gets you into a good habit. So he ends chapter 6 with this. He's been telling the Corinthians about everything that he's been going through, right? That was the whole thing of the race, and how he got beat up, and how he got, you know, and, and, and the people try to tempt him, and people try to stop him. And so Paul is telling everybody everything that he's gone through for the sake of the gospel, and how much he cares for them, and what he's endured for them. But then he starts talking about how they have a hard time feeling the same thing for him. He said, I love you guys, but you guys are... There was a lot of stuff going on in, in, in 2 Corinthians. They were, they were questioning his authority. They were questioning who he was. They were questioning if he even was an apostle or not. Because, because the, the stuff that he was coming with was, was raw and was hard. And, and so they were looking for excuses to not serve. And so Paul's going to explain 
why they're having this this misconnection with him, why they don't love him as much as he loves them. Look what he says in chapter 6, starting in verse 14. You ready? Say, bring it. 6.14 says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Which is another word for, for Satan. So he's saying, what, what relationship has light with darkness? What good with, with evil? You know, he, he's saying, don't be unequally yoked. Now to really see, to get the word picture here of being yoked. I couldn't get a yoke, but, but I'm using this as an example. So I need somebody to help me out here. Let's see. Yeah, all right. Go ahead, Lord Alice. Come on up. That actually works perfectly. See, back, back in this time when he's using this illustration because he says, you know, back then they used to yoke farm animals together to get them to do more work. And so a yoke would look something like this and then it would have a harness around the neck. So we'd be yoked in together, right? And so there was a, uh, in Deuteronomy, there was, it, it, there was a law prohibiting unmatched animals, animals of different kinds, of different strengths, to be yoked together. Why? Because it, it doesn't even make sense, right? Does it make sense that me and Loalis would be yoked together? Would, would Loalis really have any, any idea what, would she be going anywhere that she wants to go, or is she gonna go anywhere that I wanna go? Right? She might put up a little resistance, but, you know, it's not going to work. I got about 100 pounds on her at least. You understand? So when we're unequally yoked, I want you to see this. See, what, what, what happens is you, you, they're, they're, we have different goals in mind. We have different plans. She wants to go places. I want to go places. We're yoked together, so we're going to go wherever the stronger wants to go. Are you, are you getting this picture? Amen? So, so he, the, the ball is saying, don't be unequally yoked. See, because that's also true for us and not for animals, but for us it's also true. We can't be yoked together in a partnership, in a marriage, in a relationship with someone that has different destination plans than we do. Thank you, Loelis. We can't be yoked together with someone that has different destination plans. Somebody say Amen. See, what Paul is dealing with here and trying to get the Corinthians to understand is that it's really about influence. Who are you partnering with? Who is influencing you? Whose beliefs are you adapting to? Who did you let get in your yoke with you? Pulling you to where they want to go, not so much what you want to do. See, we're talking today about being under the influence. Come on, that's a good message. That's a good title. That needed an amen just by itself. We're talking about being under the influence. See, when you're under the influence, some of you know a little bit more about this than others. You don't act the same way you used to act. I, I know you know this if you watch Jersey Shore. When you're under the influence, your, your judgment is impaired. Your, your inhibitions are down, meaning your risk levels are up. Are we learning something, amen? 
So you're most likely, when you're under the influence, you're more likely to do some things that you would never do in your right mind. You, you're more likely to do some things that you would never content, content, you know, be, be consent to in your right mind, right? And I know when I say that our natural response here in our culture is drugs and alcohol, right? When I said under the influence, everybody said, oh, I know. Many of us have done some things that we either don't remember too clearly or we remember all too well and regret. You don't have to say amen. Under the influence, we're not in our right minds. Right? And another thing that we have while we're under the influence, and this is something that our culture is all too familiar with, we have an excuse. Right? If I'm preaching truth, you say amen. Right? We have an excuse, right? What is the theme song of this world? Blame it on the goose. Got you feeling loose. Blame it on the alcohol. Right? Come on, that's not the theme song of our generation, of this culture. Blame it on the alcohol. It's alright, this happened, this happened. Blame it. But listen, the alcohol is not going to father your babies. The alcohol is not going to support. The alcohol is not going to... Right? And that's a whole other mess, I understand. But, but you see, Paul, Paul isn't saying here that the Corinthians are all running around drunk and high. But he's saying that they're under the influence though. So what are they under the influence of? I thought y'all were smarter than that. What are they under the influence of? They're under the influence of the world. They're under the influence of, of secular thinking, of, of worldly things. They're under the influence of the pattern of this world. They've allowed the standards of God that, that God has set for them to be influenced by the standards of this world. Now, remember, Corinth was a very diversified city. They had people from all different backgrounds and cultures who worshipped all kinds of false gods and man-made religions. So they had many gods. They, they sacrificed to idols. They had temple prostitutes. So you could do anything you want sexually and still be spiritual. Don't we see that today? We can do anything we want sexually and still feel spiritual. Right? You can, you can act any way you want and still be religious. Ain't that true? Just watch a music award show or something. And you see everything these people sing about and then they get up there. I just want to thank Jesus Christ. Who without this, none of this will be possible. But they're talking about hitting shorties in the club and, 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 but, but without this, God, Jesus, it wouldn't be possible. We can do anything we want and still be religious, still be, still be, right, holy. You can think any way you want and, and, and see, we, we can do anything that pleases you and as long as you think it's alright, then God has to accept it. Isn't that our, our culture? As long as we think it's alright. We, we, and we, you, you hear people tell you all the time, we say, well, and, and you know, we always compare ourselves to people that are, that are, well, I, I ain't killing nobody. Right? So, so, this is Christians, right? We're comparing ourselves to murderers. I ain't killing nobody. So, you know, if I get a little loose with this or a little... It's different, right? Or, or even if you've killed somebody, then you take it to another level. You know, well, I, well at least the people that I killed, they had it coming. You know, I, I, kill, I, don't, I don't kill no good people. 
I ain't raping nobody. Then you go to like extremes. I ain't stealing babies or nothing. You know, now, and so we compare ourselves. We lower and lower and lower and lower our standards. But, but we never compare ourselves to God's standard and say, this is what God wants me to do. Wait, why? Because we're comparing ourselves to this because we're under the influence of the world already. We're under the influence and, and we don't realize it. We're under the influence. Amen? So, so Paul, is, is, Paul, Paul is warning the church in the city and, and, and now warning us, the church in the city, do not be unequally yoked with these people. And, and you know, historically, as, as a church, we've, we've always taken this verse for years and years and you only hear it in marriage classes, right? How many, you heard this verse and it had to do with marriage. Do not be unequally yoked. It, it always, you shouldn't be unequally yoked. And, and let me tell you something, it does apply. So I'm not taking that away. It does fit. It is true. Listen to me clearly. I'll speak it so everybody can hear it and say that you, you can't say you didn't hear it. As Christians, we have no business getting tied up in relationships with people that don't serve God. Can, can I just tell you that straight up? You have no business getting... Now, now, now listen to me. You know, we get funny. We find boyfriends and girlfriends, and then we bring them to church. And, and God's grace is so amazing that sometimes that works. <laughs> Come on, if you got here that way, say amen. It's okay. Sometimes it works. That's God's grace. You, you, you just say, God, thank you for making that happen. I, I went fishing in the wrong lake, and, and I brought the fish to church and asked you to bless them and clean them and clean them up and make them the man you want them to be. And sometimes God does it. And wow, we just got to like be wow, God. You are so good. But sometimes, more often than not, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. We could probably raise more hands for those that could say, it doesn't work. Amen. There's, there was two hands went up in the first time, praise God. And then there was 16 hands that went up and said, yo, that doesn't work. Don't do it. Hit him with the palo. Evangelistic dating is a very risky business. It doesn't always work. And then think about it. Then where are you? Where are you left with? You find yourself in a relationship, yoked together with someone who has different destination plans than you do. And now it's a battle for the rest of your life. It's a battle for your soul. It's a battle for your beliefs. It's a battle for, for everything you got. And it's going to be a battle. Listen, marriage already by itself, how many can tell you it's hard? Amen? <laughs> by itself, marriage is hard. When you yoked with, with, with someone you ain't supposed to be yoked with. So, so what happens? You, you end up yoked with different values for your kids. With different standards for your house. And, and, and I know in the beginning, some of you come out with this nonsense. You say, listen, oh, I, I know she's not a Christian, but it's okay because she respects the church and she respects my involvement. How many heard that? How many times have we heard that one, Gary? She respects my involvement in the church. She respects God. She respects who I am. Listen, demons respect 
who I am in church because the God in me demands them to, but I still wouldn't want to sleep with them. What happens more often than not, <laughs> yeah, I went there, <laughs> is that what happens more often than not is that a Christian gets under the influence. The Christian is the one that gets under the influence and will forever feel disqualified, disconnected, unworthy, shameful. I, I can't even go back to that church. And it's sad. It's not true. It's not true. You don't have to carry that shame. You don't have to. It's not true, but that's what we end up feeling. And we end up separating and we end up disconnecting. And we had once dreams for incredible ministries and God had plans to use us to touch the nations, man. And now we're just sitting at home with that girl that doesn't even respect us. Because we didn't even stand for what we said we stood for, but we gave in to, to the... Right? So, okay, let's move on. So we've made that verse all about marriage, but, but church, I want you to get today that it's more than that. Paul is warning the church to not get under the influence of this world. So how do we get under the influence? The, the culture is one way we do it. I, I see this happens with my Hispanics and Africans all the time. The culture, our culture... Gets us under the influence. We, we're wearing good luck charms and we're wearing saints and we're wearing all this. And we said, that's just, you know, that's how we grow up. Puerto Ricans, we got this. That's, you know, this Dominicans. That's how we do. That's my santo. That's not. No. You under the influence, son. You're not in. You're not walking in what the word says. That's not your culture. That's, a, that's an idol. That's not your culture. Right? You're under the influence. Wake up. How do we get under the influence, man? The movies that we watch, they put us under the influence. The music, oh my God. The music has such a powerful way. Uh, tell me amen if this is true. The music is like alcohol. It has a powerful way of lowering your defenses and, and bringing down your guards and, and letting yourself allow things you would normally find offensive or wrong and carefully and methodically draw you away from God. And Right? Come, come on, I'll give you an example. How many of you can listen to a... Uh, an anointed, a demonically anointed Kanye beat. And you're listening to it and it's like, wow. Oh man, it's good music. Or, or put your artist in there, right? Whoever you're thinking. And, and you're like, oh, this is, wow, man, this music is so tight. It's so rhythmic. It's so amazing. And, and in there, you're in this thing and you're listening to this thing and you're not even realizing the lyrics. He's mocking you. He's making fun of you. He's mocking the church. He's belittling God. He's saying he's God. He's saying he's better than God. He's saying Lucifer is God. And you don't care because the beat is just so nice. It's just something to move to it lowered you down you're under the influence before you know it 
And, and it's not just, just, just uh, Kanye and them. Uh, I'm sorry, hermanitos and hermanitas, but a lot of salsa and a lot of, a lot of merengue, a lot of that music, man. Wow, that rhythm gets in you and you just want to get down and you just want to move and you just want to dance and shake and wiggle what your mama gave you. And, 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 but you're not listening to that, that in the song it says, Tu me hiciste brujería. And in the song it says, Mira, mira como estás en negro. And mira, what? Listen to what's going on in that music. That's all about santeria and espiritismo. And you say, well, that's just, that's just, you know, el gran combo. That's just this or that's just that. No, man, you're under the influence. You're shaking your stuff to stuff that you shouldn't be shaking your stuff to. And, and, and think about that. If, if what we do here to this music is worship, So, so what about what we do somewhere else to that music? Isn't that worship too? Oh man, let that touch you and rearrange you. Paul says, don't be, thank you my sister. I give her 20 bucks a week to just shout at me like that. <laughs> I buy her kids Christmas gifts just so she can shout at me like that. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. Paul says, don't be unequally yoked to these unbelievers. Now, now listen, when we, if, and, and this is a lot of the things that people tend to do too. They'll grab a scripture and take it all out of context. And, and if we take this verse out of context, it, it looks like Paul is saying, Paul wants all believers to hide away in some Christian little bubble and have nothing to do with people that are not Christians or people that haven't had just the, the realization, haven't had the opportunity to to realize that I am a creation, which means that I have a creator. And if, a, if I have a creator and I'm a creation, then I was created for a purpose. And, and so there's people that haven't had that realization yet. And so if we take this out of context, we say, man, Paul wants us to, to, to huddle around in little church buildings and chew Christian bubble gum and wear Christian deodorant and have, you know, scriptures on our glasses and, and whatever, right? All, all kinds of silly, with Christian t-shirts and Christian sneakers and Christian socks. So when you cross your legs in scripture, you, you know, or, or have shoes that say Jesus on the bottom. So wherever we walk in the sand, it leaves Jesus footprints. You know, you, you get this conception that God, that Paul is saying we got to be... But, but remember, Paul, that's not Paul. Paul isn't teaching. To, this is the same Paul who earlier in his letters, he says, To the Jew, I became like a Jew so that I can win the Jews. To the lawful, I became lawful. So, uh, to the unlawful, I became like the unlawful so that I can win them. He says, To the weak, I became weak so that I can win some of them. I've become all things to all people that I might save some. So, so Paul's not, you know, we can't take that, that scripture out. He's just warning us, don't fall under the influence of this world. Don't be unequally yoked. The Message Bible puts it this way, how can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? That's not partnership, that's war. It writes, is light best friends with darkness? Does Christ go strolling with the devil? Do trust and mistrust hold hands? Later on, Paul will tell us in Romans 12, 1, listen to this. He says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, he's talking to brothers, us. 
I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world. Do not get under the influence of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. I love it. What is Paul saying? If you're going to get lifted, go to the lifter. Come on, somebody should have ran around the building with that one. Y'all breathing? Come on. Paul's saying, if you're going to get right, let's use the best stuff. Let the Word of God get in you and transform you. Let it get you lifted. Let it get you under the influence of the one who can actually change you and make a difference. Amen? Let's get under the influence of the Most High, the the Mighty One. Listen, you want to trip? He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He never had a beginning. That means He always was and He never ends. He is the I Am. He's my glory and the lifter of my head. Trip on that. See, when people get under the influence of the Spirit of God, the atmosphere changes. When, when people get under the influence of the Spirit of God, healing is released, forgiveness is received, bondages are broken, shackles come loose. When you get under the influence of the Most High, the Word says that your steps are ordered by the Lord and that He directs your paths. Some of us walking around lost and praying, but He's not directing your paths because you're not under the influence. You're still under the old influence. And it don't matter, you come to church every week, you still be under the old influence. Because I'm talking to you for 30 minutes, but your, 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 your iPad is preaching to you all day long, all week. Church, your assignment this week, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to get under the influence. <laughs> if you just walked in and just heard that part, we're in trouble. Word? (laughs) Listen, church, I'm tired of seeing show after show pop up about the supernatural and spirit mediums. Mediums of Long Island, mediums that Sumatra, all these medium shows. And and listen, watch watch this. I, I hate to see how the devil pimps people. Because with his little tricks, notice, I don't watch these stupid shows, but you see the commercials, right? And notice, in the commercials, he always, the medium always tells people about their past. Have you noticed that? Or are you just amazed by the trick? Notice, he always tells them about their past. You have people coming to the spirit medium, and, and it's usually the guy that's real skeptical. He says, I don't believe in this hocus pocus, I don't believe. And he's there, and she goes, and the spirit medium will tell her, oh, whoa. Your, your grandmother's here with us, and she's, she's telling me that little joke that she always told you about your seven toes on your left foot. And, and the people are flipping. Oh my God, how could you know that? How do you know I have seven toes on my left foot and that my grandmother used to make a joke? How? Because the enemy knows our past. It's the same little trick that he's going to use later on. Because his name is the accuser of the brethren. 
that same little trick that got you hooked is going to keep you hooked and it's going to keep you reminded of your past, reminded of your failures, reminded of the times you didn't trust, reminded how disconnected you are from God. That's the trick of the enemy. He'll pimp it in the beginning like a good crack dealer to get you hooked. He'll say, this one's free. And then once you're hooked, you got to keep coming to him and he'll keep telling you about your past. Until a believer comes along under the influence of the Most High. And the believer will tell you, listen, you got seven toes on your left foot because God wants you to stand steady, brother. <laughs> he wants you to keep running. That's why they're there. If the church would get under the influence of the Spirit of God, we wouldn't go around telling people about their past. We'd be walking in power and love and telling people about their futures. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, halfway through. Before Jesus left this earth, he prayed for us. And we read this prayer in John 17. He prayed to the Father for us believers that he was leaving behind. And he prayed that we would be in this world, but not of this world. Right? He prayed, he said, he, he prayed to the Father. He said, I'm not praying that you take them out of this world. They're going to be in this world, but I'm praying that you keep them from being of this world. How do we be in the world, but not of the world? Anybody ever wonder that? Just me. Okay. He prayed that we would be in this world, but not under the influence of this world. The best picture I've ever read about that is, is this. We're to be like a boat in the water. Get this picture. If I could bring a boat in the water, I had the baptistry full of water, I could have done that too. Anyway. If we could be like the boat, see, the boat is in the water, but the water is not in the boat. Mmm, they got it on this corner. We're in it, we travel through it, we float on it, but if too much water gets in the boat, we're in trouble. Amen? If, if too much water gets in the boat, then the boat won't be able to do what it was created to do. If, if water gets in the boat, the boat will be under the influence of the water and it would act differently. Amen? It, it wouldn't handle storms the same way. It wouldn't maneuver as well as it used to. See, too many Christians are seasick because they're always letting the water influence the boat. Too much water in the boat and you'll end up stranded. And eventually you'll start to sink. And you'll be buried in the very water that you allow to influence you. So Paul ends the chapter like this, 2 Corinthians 6, 16. Would you think of setting up pagan idols in God's holy temple? But that's exactly what you are. Each of us is a temple whom God lives in. 
God himself put it this way. I will live in them. I'll move in them. I'll be their God and they will be my people. So leave the corruption and the compromise. Leave it for good. Say it, says God. Don't link up with those who will pollute you. I want you all for myself. I'll be a father to you. You will be my sons and my daughters. Come apart from them and I will be your God. Family, that's what we're going to do tonight. Baptism is a symbol that God used to make a statement. The water symbolizes death. We go under the water in baptism symbolizing our desire to die to our old ways and our old life. And we go under the water to get out from under the influence of the world. And then we come back out of the water symbolizing our new life. See, baptism is a picture of the gospel. Jesus died to forgive our old sinful life and he rose again to give us new life. Baptism is an outward sign of what we believe. And that's why, church, don't be offended. We don't baptize our babies. Because the only baptisms we see in the Bible are people who willingly and knowingly and cheerfully declared, I'm not going back. I'm moving ahead. I'm here to declare that my past is over. Baptism is a picture of what's already happening in the spirit. The old things are passed away. Behold, the new things are becoming new. Is anybody getting buzzed a little bit today? Come on. Pastor G, come on. I want you to pray over everyone here. Let's all stand for a moment. I want you to pray for a wave of God's glory to rise up in this body. Now listen, I don't want to see people stumbling out of the building drunk, although that might happen. But I want you walking out of here in your right minds, walking in power, fully awake, and yet fully under the influence of the Spirit of God. I guarantee you, you try this drug. (laughs) I'm a dealer now. Guess what? The first one's free, the second one's free, the next one is free, your next hit is free, your next week's hits are free, everything's free because you can't buy this stuff. Grace is free. So I'm dealing something that's never, I I got enough supply that I can keep on giving. Amen? Pray that prayer, G. Amen. Before I pay, pray that prayer, you see, we can't receive the glory of God unless first we make a choice. Because there were people in the New Testament that were not right with God, and when the glory of God fell, they fell right on the floor dead. Because the more you want of God, The more that you've got to commit your life to Him. The more that you have to stand before God and say, If there's anything in me that's not pleasing to you, I choose today to lay it all down. And before we can release the glory, the glory means the manifest presence of God coming over you. 
First, we have to have a house cleaning. And you know where your house is? It's right here in your heart. We can't just hear the message and then not respond. So we're not going to have the prayer team today because this is just between you and God. Nobody can pray this into you. Nobody can decide this for you. But if you're saying today, God, no matter how much it hurts, no matter what the cost, I'm rededicating my heart to you today. I'm laying things down. Some of you, you heard about relationships. Some of you, you've got to choose right now that there are relationships that you're going to cut off. Like Pastor George says, it doesn't mean that you can't have friends that don't know God. What he's talking about, those who you are closest to, those who you take advice from, some of you, you you got to back off. Some of you, you've got dating relationships with people who don't know God. And as Pastor George said, most of the time, they're going to pull you down with them. After a few weeks, they're going to say, Do you got to go to church every week? Do you always have to sing those same old songs? So I'm going to ask you right now, between you and God, nobody's looking at you, to raise your hand if you're saying, God, whatever it costs me, if people are not going to like me anymore, some people are, are going to ridicule me, if it hurts, I'm going to lay it all down. Anything that stands between me and you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right now. You don't have to come up here. Some of you, you need to go home and go through your CDs and get rid of some of them. Because the devil can get you to sing things that you would never say. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray for each one, Lord God, who has a hand raised before you. Father, that you would give us, oh God, today the strength, the courage, Lord God. off, Lord God, to throw things out, to cleanse our lives, our, our iPods, Lord God, our VCRs, Lord, the DVDs. We want to be more like you, Jesus. So, Father, in Jesus' name, just rededicate our hearts to you. If you're doing that right now, wave your hand to God. Let, let him see right now. You're saying, God, 
I'm rededicating myself. I'm putting myself on the altar. Because if you want the fire of God, that's the only place you're going to get it. And, and just as you have your hand raised right now, we're going to sing this song of dedication. <laughs> 